1: Yeah. Thanks for being here. So, yeah, the why I started a podcast was just because when COVID happened, right, pandemic, and obviously Australia had, from what I read, a lot more tougher times than we were we were having, apparently. So, uh, but yeah, you know, it was one of those things that one of my favorite quotes is most men live lives of quiet desperation and always, uh-huh. yeah, and I always felt like. You know, so I just hit my 10th mark of where I'm, or my 10th year of where I'm working at currently. I work in higher education and I just hit 36 this year. And, you know, when pandemic hit and life became at a halt, you know, I was like, Ooh, have I been on autopilot these last few years and have -hmm. I been living my life the way I thought I was going to be living? You know, if I reached my goals and, you know, and I became a real podcast listener back in 2017, 2016 or so. Like I just enjoyed listening to other people and, Listening to their stories and listening to, wow, you know, how do they get to point A to point B and what obstacles do they meet? What challenges did they have to overcome? And, you know, there was other ways of looking at life other than what was ingrained in me, so to speak, you know? And so that's the reason I was like, maybe if I started podcast, you know, it would help me, you know, not only get my thoughts out, but meet interesting people, you know, network a little bit, help me with my speaking. Um, and that was the biggest thing. And, you know, at first I just kind of goofed off with it with my friends. You know, it's, hey, let's come over and have a few beers. Let's talk. And, you know, yeah, whatever yeah. comes up. And But it's, yep. uh, it's grown to something different, man. And, <laughs> and that, but that was part of the reasons why I started it, though, was just to kind of help me and challenge myself and do something that I think I can never do and to start something that from the ground up and make something happen out of it cuz i've never took that chance in life that makes any sense at all so
2: yeah no that makes a whole lot of sense man that's yeah that makes a lot of sense thanks for sharing
1: yeah man and uh and i appreciate you being here I, I read up on a little bit of your background i watched your tedx video and um it was good man i agreed with a lot of stuff you were saying and it you know i felt a lot of it man and i liked it and, and i think it resonates with a lot of people especially if you know, if you're very open-minded and you learn to look at life in a different way, just kind of what I was <clears throat> just what I was saying is that, you know, open up your eyes to new ideologies. And, you know, like, for example, you came from what I know about you, you're a, a backpacker now, what a corporate leader.
2: Uh, I was, yeah, I ended up in corporate leadership and, and um, got kind of
0: spat out of that world. Oh. Did I lose you? Um, Okay,
1: we're back. I thought I lost you there for a minute. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, okay. yeah. I think my internet froze up, but I think we're good now. So,
2: but um, yeah. So there's been different chapters, man. And um, you know, look, I when when I went and got a real job in my early 30s after becoming a father, and I was like, wow, I better get a real job, you know, because I'd been bumming around the world, you know, my my whole adult life, and and living a very colorful, um, alternative bohemian kind of life. Uh, so when I went and got a job and ended up in a shirt and a tie, my friends were like, what are you doing, man? You're wearing a shirt and tie. And I was like, yeah. I know, right? But I got to kind of feed these kids. Uh, so I ended up in in a corporate leadership role, um, and which I'm, I'm very grateful for, because it helps me really understand what I do what I am passionate about and what I'm not passionate about, sure. uh, you know, and I'm passionate about people and connection and self improvement, and I'm certainly not passionate about driving net profit growth month on month on month, um, you know. So that was good. It also led me to my necessary midlife crisis. Slash midlife awakening opportunity in my early 40s. And I lost everything, man. I lost the career, lost the marriage, lost the house, lost everything except my two boys. I've got two, two, they're now teenage young men, uh, but lost everything except for them. I had them week on, week off in the co parenting arrangement yeah. coming out of the, the divorce. Uh, but, but you know, that was a, that was one of the really, really low points in my life where I needed to um, reassess everything and 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 start to repair my relationship with self which was the first step you know because i had subconsciously unwittingly developed this background belief that i wasn't good enough you know there was self loathing and self shame and 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 i kept that secret torture to myself you know when you said before that quote about you know a, a lot of men suffer in silence that yeah. wasn't the words that yeah. you used that's what i heard you say and i did my i did my years decades of of Suffering in silence and not sharing my deepest vulnerabilities because of the shame. I was so ashamed and so embarrassed. And and I thought I was alone. You know, I thought I was a freak. So I kept it all to myself and I put on this facade of everything's okay. You know, I've got the corporate job, I'm earning lots of money. I'm flying business class and I've got a wife and kids and a house. And I'm pretending to have everything that I got sold on this idea uh, that our that our culture tells us that if you go do these things, you'll be happy. Yeah. which is not, not true. Yeah. Um, so I, I tried that and it didn't work. <laughs> and then I tried something else and it's working. So that's cool.
1: Yeah. You know, one thing I've learned with talking with people like yourself and reading their self-improvement or self-help books and listen to other podcasts, and, and you said it really well that, you know, you thought you were the only one who was just kind of suffering in silence and, and that it seems like there is you're not the only one that seems like a common theme among everybody. And it's just, and even with myself, I used to think that too, just I good enough. I don't know why I'm here. And, you know, I've talked with other people and I guess that could be related to imposter syndrome, but it was, Yeah. yeah. And it was one of those things that I've learned though, these past few years that, you know, that's a lot of people in their own head and getting in their own way that it's not really you're not by yourself It's I guess what I'm trying to say. And it's how yeah, you Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you get those demons and you figure out how to fight them and you overcome those obstacles. And yeah, and it's yeah, really yeah. wild to me. It blew my mind when I started to realize that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And then when you add onto that the layer of cultural indoctrination, and especially for men, now I'm gonna generalize here. I know there's exceptions to the rule. Okay. And if you are an exception to this rule, I acknowledge you and I hear you and I validate you. Now I'm going to just speak to the generalisation so you and I can have a conversation around this, right? Of course, of course. We are culturally indoctrinated as males when we're little, don't cry, suck it up, man up, toughen up, harden up, don't show your emotions. So we, this patriarchal system structure that we're in in the States and in Australia um, is such that as young boys growing up trying to figure out, what it is to be a man in adverted commas, we have to divorce ourselves from that sensitive side, that emotional side, the vulnerability and everything. We lock all of that stuff deep, deep, deep down inside. We still experience it, but we don't share it with the outside world. And for a lot of males um, get to the point where they even become unaware of it themselves. They actually detach themselves so successfully from their emotional sensitive vulnerabilities that they're not even aware that that side of themselves exists anymore, yeah. you know? So then they end up in a marriage and their partner's saying, why can't you tell express how you're feeling? Or why can't you communicate with me? Or why can't you, you know, you're an Island, you feel like an Island. And the blokes there, the, we call them a bloke here in oh, Australia.
1: Yeah, I got you. The, the blokes,
2: the blokes, they're going, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't feel anything. I'm just pissed off right now because of blah, blah, blah. Or I just want to switch off and watch the sport and and crack a beer. Like, why are you trying to, why are you trying to get me to go into this whole world in a world that I don't even know exists, right? Because I had to, they don't know this, but they were told culturally to divorce themselves of that at a very young age. Oh. So there's a lot of reparation work for for men especially. I mean, women talk with each other, right? Women sit down with each other and go, oh, my God, I'm feeling this or I'm feeling that or blah, blah, blah. And men don't.
1: Yeah, yeah you hit the nail on the head, man. Just that, you know, when thinking about my own experiences, that that's kind of what it was growing up for me and that, you know, I was never really you know, taught to, hey, express your feelings. Hey, what are you feeling right now? And, you know, if you were crying, especially around all your friends at school or whatever, it was kind of like, oh, I got to hide this in. I can't let those subs yeah. see me yeah. hurt or crying. Yeah. And and even not only environmentally or what your parents may ingrain on you, and that it was also in the media too, you know, if you watch all those old like 80s action star movies, and even now that it's always, you know, oh, toughen up, get back out there, you're okay. And yeah. you know, even, even though they're taking, you know, whatever, Tragedy or trauma, whatever you want to call it, that was in their life, right there. You know, you see them just putting it back down and shoving it inside, yeah. and just yeah, yeah, it builds up and it releases. You know, I remember having a few random outbursts that you know I, my parents just thought were temper tantrums, but I don't. Yeah. I thought they were just something deep I was hiding within myself. Could have been. I don't. Yeah. know. I don't really know how to yeah. think. But yeah, you you hit it on the head. That's
2: oh man. You know, look, I I've always, as an adult, I've always you know one of my values is is being peaceful right? I'm a pacifist. I'm anti-violence. And, um, and so I would try to, I was trying to identify with that, but then in my past relationships, this one's very different, but in the past relationships before I kind of was practicing mindfulness and becoming more aware, I'd be peaceful, 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 you know, non-emotional for a long period of time, but I was just pushing it all deep down inside. Right. And then I would explode. Now I've never been physically violent on a partner Um, I've never been physically violent on anyone, actually, to be honest, but I've never been physically violent on a partner. But in those few times where I would explode, I scared myself, man. Like I lost my shit. You know, I, I went crazy. Like I lost it, properly lost it. And this was because I hadn't allowed myself to lose it in little ways immediately as I was feeling it through all the years. I would suppress it. And I think that's what happens with a lot of men. We suppress, suppress, suppress. And then when we do lose it, it's scary, man you know, and you put a gun into the hand of someone who loses it and it can be potentially not good.
1: You know, what's wild is that you just triggered a couple of moments. So I remember in college that, you know, and I don't know if this was just drunken, kind of too much, obviously too much binge drinking or whatever, but moments would happen and, you know, two friends would blow up on each other who were best friends or whatever. But immediately after the fight kind of dialed down and was, you know, we separated everybody, but You know, that one person would go out and start crying, you know, out of nowhere. And it was like, wow, you went from zero to a ballistic back down to now you're crying. And like it was just like so emotional. I remember, I mean, I've even felt it almost at times too. Like you said that where me and a friend got in a heated argument and this immediately after, it was just like, Wait, why am I so upset right now? Like, what am I doing? What is this happening? And you know, yeah. And it was never talked about after that, you know, after that one night you know, and it's had, it happened multiple times. It's just forget about it, you know?
2: Yeah. And it was usually with some, um, alcoholic lubrication, right?
1: Well, it always is, man. And it, <laughs> it probably too much alcoholic lubrication, That's a lot of the cause of it, but yeah, it was just, and again, it was just the next morning. Everyone kind of resets back to zero and it's kind of, yeah. about, you know?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. So true, man. You know, it's interesting. I've been sitting in men's circle for, uh, over 10 years down where we live. I live in a small, um, a small town. On the surf coast the great ocean road down here and um you know it's yeah everyone surfs and it's a pretty healthy lifestyle but there's a group of us men and we sit around a fire once a month and we talk about themes that are meaningful to us and it's not a counseling session it's not a bitch session where you're just kind of complaining there's no booze there's no tobacco there's just water and conversation around a fire it's quite beautiful, actually. Anyway, we talk about meaningful stuff and it's just an opportunity to be heard. How you feel about things? You know, what? what, what is this like for you? And when I tell other men who come from different demographic to me um, that that's what we do, they're like, what? You do what? You sit around a fire and talk about your deepest feelings. And I'm like, yeah. And they go, oh, my God, that's weird. And I'm like, well, you know, that's what we do. And they say, do you have to talk? If you don't want to talk, do you have to say anything? I said, no, you can just sit there. And then some some men who come from very different socioeconomic backgrounds to me, they say, Oh, could I come along? I'm like, sure, man, come and sit around the fire with us, you know? And but but for a lot of men, the idea of that is just bizarre. They don't even tell their best friends what they're feeling.
1: Yeah. You know, sometimes you know? I wonder now that if it's that that's starting to get more socially acceptable. And you know, like you said, if you would have said that probably 10, 20 years ago, everyone would be like, What are you doing? But, you know, yeah. just, just to touch on what you just said though, for example, you know, I just got back from a, a bachelor party last weekend at the beach and we went on a little golfing trip down there to the beach. And, you know, one night we'd had a couple of beers and we were all sitting out on this deck, you know, at at the beach, and we all started having to and I guess I hope I'm not oversharing or saying anything that they want me to say. I don't think I am. But yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, we all it was us us guys, we all just started talking about Random things about my buddy getting married, and then it went into this thing about simulation theory, and then about what else did we talk about? They were, uh, just things about like psychedelic drugs and what's the meaning behind them, and would you ever try them? And just yes. you know, and it was like one of those things that you know nobody was holding anybody to a certain degree or to a bar yeah. or anything. It was just no judgment. Yeah, no judgment. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, speak yeah. freely and just you know, what are your thoughts? And again, if nobody didn't want to say anything, cool. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It, but it, it was so cool, like having those that type of conversation just with your boys and with the with the bros and just hanging out and, yeah. talking and no yeah. judgment, being free. And it's like, yeah, yeah. That, we were having a few beers while we were doing it, but that was, that made it even more exciting because I think it actually opened up a few people. You know, nobody was like belligerent or anything weird like that, but like, you know, it was no. like social lubrication. but it, it was a and cool
2: I, I reckon you're right. It was a cool. Yeah. Moment. Yeah. I reckon you're right. I, I, I think times are changing you know, I, and in terms of this becoming more normal, I really think, and, you know, I'm, I'm aware that there's way more men's mental health um, conversations going on and that and and trying to encourage men to open up and connect with their feelings all this stuff it's it there's, there's definitely movements in this direction I'm also aware of echo chambers so yep. you and I have met each other because we're in this kind of echo chamber together and that there's a big wide world of people out there who will never listen to this podcast and, and will never have these conversations and that's okay too um, but I, I I think I don't think we're just in a confirmation bias echo chamber. I do believe that what you said is true. I think there is, the times are changing, man. And I know that because my clients exist outside of my group of friends. So my group of friends are all, we're all like-minded people, obviously. But the people that I coach come from very different backgrounds to me, you know, and I know that they're becoming more open to these types of conversations. So I'm hopeful you know, I'm hopeful for, for humanity as, as crazy as we are. And as, as, you know, I shake my head, man, I really shake my head, especially at the leaders, the politicians and, and also culturally what's going on and people shouting at each other. I do shake my head, but at the same time, if you make a concerted effort to go out there and look for positive news, there's a lot of good stuff happening.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. If it's exactly what you surround yourself <laughs> with. If you choose to, look at negative stuff all day, you're just going to feed off that negative energy and that negative comments that you're reading and negative news. And, and yeah, and you're, you're just, your mind's just going to go in that direction, whether and yeah, into the positive stuff, you know, look, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying you should never read anything negative, but if you just surround yourself with that, yeah, you know, there's keyboard warriors who get on Twitter and Facebook and, just you know, their whole day is to sit there and argue about whatever topic it is, you know, about, yeah. they us try to win. And, you know, and it's like wasted eight hours of sitting there typing up comments, about <laughs> you know, random shit. It's like, what, what were you doing for eight hours? If you put a, yeah, yeah. if you want to put that energy into creating something or, going to work or something it doesn't matter. And, and, and you know what I find
2: even, even above that to those people, I would ask them on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the best ever and one being terrible, where would you rate the quality of life? Yeah. For I the- mean, how, 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 happy are you? Exactly. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> so what is the point, man? What is the point? Well, let's get to the big question. What is the meaning of life, dude? Look, I don't know. You get to make that up. But for me, um, I want to live as enjoyable as possible. And I know pain is inevitable, man. I've, I've had my fair share of it and I will have more. I know pain is a part of life. That's cool. But my general day to day, like my average day, what do I hope for it to be? Well, I hope for it to be as good as possible, man. You know, I want to be as happy as possible. I want to be, you know, as grateful, whatever, you know, like I'm hoping for good life, not a shit life. That- and so I hope it's okay to swear yeah, on yeah, your yeah, podcast. Be yourself, yeah.
1: Dude. yeah, that's fine.
2: Okay. So I'm hoping for as good a life as possible. Now, what do we know from the research? We know from the research that if you spend all day on social media as a keyboard warrior, blah, 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 we know you're having a shit life. That- and if that's what you want, fair play off you go, you do that. But if you turn around and tell me that you wish your life was better, get off the bloody keyboard.
1: Yeah, man, You can't, you can't do that all day. And you know, it's easy to blame everybody else for your problems. And then, yeah, don't complain about oh, it's my it's their fault for me not being able to do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well, man, w- let's take a step back here and let's again let's look about what you're doing. How did you spend your day today? And, oh, you spent yeah. arguing with random people on the internet just so you could be right about you know yeah. I don't know a, a certain what's to say sports game or whatever. You're, you're yeah. your favorite player. It's just like yeah, you're healthy dude. You know, it's hey, man. Can I can I tell you a
2: fascinating story? Right? Yeah, hit me. This is this is this is where the algorithms. And, and reality, have, have something going on. There's, some, there's something happening, right? Check this out. So you know what you click on shows up more in your feed, right? Right, 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 right. So, so that's the algorithms are just there kind of trying to get your attention. And so the more you click on something, the more it shows up, um, blah, blah, blah. So I was coaching this client of mine years ago, and he said to me, we both live in the same town. Well, he lives in the the city. I live in the town outside the city. It's a small city, not a big city. Anyway, he said to me, man, have you been noticing lately there's so much more violence and so much more crazy stuff going on in our in our city? You know, he's going like, I keep seeing more and more people um, having road rage and getting out of their cars and fighting each other at the traffic lights. And the other day I had this crazy person in the middle of the night come and bang on my door and she was an ice addict and she was screaming and I had to do a citizen's arrest. And he goes, it's everywhere, man. The city's changing. <laughs> right yeah now, the, now that was his reality like that was real stuff it wasn't right. he wasn't making it up
0: sure.
2: I live in the same city I live in the town I come into the city to work right. I wasn't seeing any of this right and then I had this idea and I said to him hey man show me your social media feeds I'm just curious. Show me your feeds. And he went on to one of the feeds and he started scrolling. Guess what was in his feed all the way through it? All this kind of negative, violence, outbursts, people fighting, people caught on camera punching each other and ice addicts and negative and blah, blah, blah. That was all in his feed. I said, dude, look at my social media feed. I've curated this. I created this feed intentionally and we scrolled through my feed and it was all positive news, things that were getting right, Um, ways to be better self-improvement no violence no news none of that stuff I said look at my feed I said hey man I'm curious because the algorithms and reality are kind of mirroring each other let's do an experiment I said for the next month only click on things that are positive and just see what happens so he did for a month he clicked on things that were positive I came back to coach him a month later I said how's your life he goes dude it's spooky And I said, what do you mean spooky? No, he goes, no, it's spooky what's happening. He goes, I'm not seeing as much violence in the real world. I'm not having crazy people come and knock on my door. I'm not seeing as much road rage, right? And I thought that's cool because what we focus on, not just algorithmically, but what we focus on in reality is what we filter and what shows up more for us, right? Right. What you focus on is what you get. What you put out is what you attract. So I'm living this life where I'm focused on you know, humanity and, and goodness and doing good work and good people and good conversations and blah, blah, blah. I never see much violence around. I mean, I know it's there. Yeah. It's just not in my field of reference. Do you know what I mean?
1: I know a hundred percent, man. And I totally yeah. get that. And it's, it's exactly what, you know, there's another good quote I like and like you, you're the average of the five people you hang out with the most. Right. Yeah. And so if you're hanging out with people who choose to do violence and have road rage and are going down these roads of drugs and, and yeah. alcohol and, you know, it's just point of no return, all these negative behavioral loops, right? You want to attract some of that. And I firmly believe that what you're putting out there, you're going to yep. get back, you know? So if you're in there just surrounding yourself with the full negativity all day long, you're just killing yourself and killing everyone around you. So, and it's, yeah. and I'm glad that guy learned to break that habit because I feel like that would be a really hard habit to break, right? I mean, if you're, yeah going down this loop of just looking at negative stuff and that's all your, your mind is wanting there. And then i like, all right, so how do I start to get out of that? You know, do you just yeah. do it like one step at a time? I mean, break apart- so, the, the, so here's a life hack, right? Here's a life hack.
2: Consciously look for and focus on what you want more of to show up in your life. Yeah. Consciously look for it. You know, when I, um, when I what's an example of this? When I started my coaching career, I went to the Coaching Institute here in Australia, and I and I studied coaching and NLP and human behaviour and blah blah blah. And I had it in my head that I wanted to be a full time coach. And you know, you're there with all these other students, and you're looking around. And I reckon about ninety eight percent of the wannabe coaches never, for whatever reason, never make a full time successful career out of being a coach. Right? And there's two percent that do. And they were all sitting around in the lunch break and they were all talking about how hard it is and they were talking about the struggles and they were all talking about the challenges and they were talking about how they've still got their other other jobs and everyone they know that is struggling, blah, blah, blah. I would walk away from those conversations, man. And I would go and get online and I'd look up a successful coach someone who was absolutely nailing it and I'd reach out to them and go, Hey, I'm aspiring to, to have a a career, set my own practice up as a coach. Do you mind if I have a chat with you and just find out what's working for you? You know, I would focus on the people who were being successful. Why would I want to focus on the stuff that I don't want? You know, if back in the day I, I used to be a, you know, work in leadership and, and I'd have a team. If I came into the business in the morning and the first phone call was an irate upset customer you know sure. and you deal with it and they're upset and they're da, 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 I put down the phone and instead of going oh no when it rains it pours it's going to be one of those days and bad things come in threes and the rest of the day is going to spiral it's all going to be a terrible day now right rather than doing that I'd get off the phone and then I'd pick up the phone and consciously call three of my favorite clients nice. out of the blue just ring them. hey John it's Jem how are you going Good day, Jim. I'm good, mate. How are you? I said, Yeah, I'm good. Why are you calling? I just calling to say good day, see how you are. Oh man, I'm great. Thanks for my last holiday. Blah blah blah. He'd talk to me, and I'd hang up the phone. I'd pick up the phone and I'd call another positive person. I'd call three positive people. Why? Because I wanted to focus on what I wanted to create more
1: of that day. That's awesome, dude. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, if you just change a little bit around those habits and just. Put it towards positive i mean i've read stories of like doctors and maybe it's because they have to and they're the outliers in there but they immediately wake up looking for those bad issues you know and that's what they mm. and i don't know how true that is i mean i'm not a doctor and i don't know really many doctors at all but that's what mm. they ground themselves with and i guess maybe that's part of the job where they have to do that look for the worst thing yeah. happen. but yeah even with my job I mean, <clears throat> you know i immediately wake up while i'm eating breakfast or whatever i mean because All of our, I work in IT, so most of our problems come through via email. And so I start looking, but it's usually like, "Eh, I can take care of that later. I don't need that right now. I mean, I'm not going to start my day off like that. Yeah. I'll wait till I get, you know, I'm at right now, I'm at home, I'm eating my breakfast, I'm getting ready to go. And then when I get to work, I deal with that then. So it's just, it's one of those things that's changing those habits and changing these, you know, behavioral. Positive loops, or whatever you want to call them, man.
2: Yeah, it is, man. It's changing habits. You know, recently over the last uh, couple of years, I've been calling it the discipline of a positive perspective. Okay. Right. And it's a discipline because because it's a discipline, you need to actually in this moment go right now, I'm going to choose what I focus on. Right. And so we know from research that's been conducted and the evidence that's come out of this research, that whether you are naturally more negatively wired, so you're naturally more pessimistic, or you're naturally more optimistic, or maybe you're in the middle and you're just a realist and you just try and look at exactly what's going on, regardless of where you're naturally predispositioned when you activate the discipline of a positive perspective you get better results you just do
1: that makes right? sense yeah
2: so if you if you're looking at a situation and you're looking at the negatives these are this is how we're restricted this is how we're locked down this is what we can't do these are all the things we can't do if you stay focused on that now that's you can accept you can look at reality and go right these are the things we can't do now let's activate the discipline of looking at what is possible what can we do what might we be able to do what creative solutions could exist outside of our current thinking when we when when we do that discipline we get better results mm-hmm. you know so um yeah if you want to get better results go to work man don't just kick back and go life's tough and i can't do anything about it focus on the stuff you can do
1: that's a good point you know a lot of life's problems we make up in our own mind and they make the more situation way worse than what it really is. And, you know, in my experience, I've went in with that attitude and you know, that insight, like, Oh yeah, this is going to be shit. I don't know how this is going to handle. This. It's going to be ended up bad. But when afterwards it was really not that bad. And I was like, why did I create all this anxiety and stress in myself before this? And now I'm, yeah. you know, I'm, yeah, I'm relieved of it, but now I'm wishing, man, I wish I had that two hours back where I wasn't sitting there <laughs> sweating and pacing back and forth and going crazy, man. And yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I lo- I'm loving your mindset and what you're thinking here because we we're agreeing a lot. I mean, but you know, in the early days, I mean, was this something that you always had, or was this something you've always had to work on to train your mind this way, and or was this something like you learned just from life and restructuring mm. anything or what, or is it right when you had that midlife crisis when you decided to flip the that system? was
2: certainly that was certainly a massive um, turning point. But you know, I wasn't a different person entirely before that. I've always been me um I was just a younger version of me who you know thought he knew more than he actually did you know I've all I was always alternative you know so I always uh, you know As soon as I finished high school, I I ran, man. I was, you know, I, I guess if I was to psychoanalyse myself, I was a reaction against my father. I just didn't want to be him. Um, so that had, and he was very conservative. So I went full punk, man. I was piercing my body and covering myself in tattoos and Mohawks and punk life and squatting in abandoned buildings in London and barefoot backpacking around Asia for years and years and years. And, and, you know, doing a heap of drugs and smoking weed. And, uh, you know, I was, I used to look at the, the man as in the working man, um, woman, but back then it was mainly the man. I used to look at that world and go, I am never going to be that. You know, I didn't want to vote. I didn't want to, in Australia, voting's compulsory. I managed to skip the vote. It was like skipping, going to war. I just didn't want to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, And I was trying to find who I wanted to be. I was trying to seek some sense of identity. Um, And I was kind of scrambling around not knowing what I was doing, but how was I supposed to know? I was a young, a young person, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, so, you know, I kind of, I kind of did all that. And I, if you had have asked me back then, are you open-minded? I would have said, yeah, I'm open-minded, but I wasn't. I thought I was open-minded because I was anti-establishment, yeah. but I was very closed minded in my, that my, my, my thinking. Right. Sure. And also what I'd been developing in the background, and we spoke about this earlier, which I wasn't aware of at the time, but I was developing this background belief that I wasn't good enough you know, that I wasn't enough and that leads to the imposter syndrome and the other stuff. And so, yeah, man, it was in a, it was in a a North American Indian sweat lodge here on Aboriginal traditional lands here in Australia. And I was in a sweat with other men when I had this amazing out-of-body experience. Um, And this was in my early forties and had this out-of-body experience and had a realization, wow, I've got a belief that I'm not enough. Um, And, that was the reason for so much of my deep anxiety and vulnerability and shame. And so then I um, they had this, this turning point night and a very prophetic dream. And then I lost my job and then I lost my marriage and then I lost my house. And then that was the, the midlife crisis slash opportunity awakening. Uh, and I went to work on myself, man. I, I read some books on how we can change our, our beliefs, yeah. um, the neurology behind that. And it was, it's rudimentary, man. There's no magic pill. You don't just get to take the blue pill and then all of a sudden everything's fixed. You've got to go to work on yourself, you know, because I'd spent 40 years wiring these beliefs that I wasn't enough. So I had to spend some concerted effort and time into rewiring new functional beliefs i.e. I am enough just the way I am and I do deserve success and happiness and love and all the good stuff right so I went to work on myself man it was boring and I rolled my sleeves up and every single day out loud many 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 times a day I would say my affirmations out loud and I started practicing self-love and self-acceptance. And I went on a new path. And after some, I didn't even believe it to begin with, you know, I was saying out loud, I'm good enough just the way I am. And then, and then I'd be saying, Oh, that's a crock. Of, that's a crock of shit, man. I don't believe that, you know? Um, but I, but I'd read the books yeah, and I was determined, man, my life had gone to pieces. And I looked at my two boys who were quite young then; They were eight, eight and six years old. And I looked at these two young boys and I went, gem do it for them man sure sort your shit out for them because they they deserve a dad who at least likes himself you know so I did man I went to work and and it works I can I'm I'm, it works I believe I'm good enough now and my life's amazing and I do amazing work and my kids are 18 and 16 and we've got great relationships and I've got I'm in a, a beautiful relationship with a stunning woman who absolutely adores me and and her two children and we're blended and um, you know, and I, and I love myself and, uh, life's a lot better like this. <laughs>
1: Can we go back and talk about that out of body experience you had?
2: Yeah, sure, man.
1: Yeah. So I've had a couple of people talk about, the, uh, an out of body experience and how I don't, they almost said it was almost a near death experience. was the way they put it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if yours is like that, but it was just, I don't know. I I, I guess I wanted you to just explain it more about what it was. Uh-oh, got lose you?
2: I don't know if you can still hear me, but you are frozen. Oh, there you are. There
1: you go. I don't know. I think my internet connection's going in and out tonight for whatever reason. Yeah. Yep. But um Yeah, man. I can talk about I can talk about the out-of-body experience. Yeah.
2: It, that that particular one, which was um, you know, completely drug free. It was just through ritual and heat. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in a sweat lodge before, um, but they get super, super hot and through mantra repetition you know? Um, so that was that, that one didn't feel like near death. It felt like it just felt like I was flying around in the universe and I was five years old. Again, I'd gone back to being a five-year-old boy. I remember, I remember as I was floating around without a body feeling like I was five. And for me that was an important age because that was the last age of innocence. Sure. When I was six, my father lost his temper and um, beat me up, threw me around the room and, um, and scared the bejesus out of me, uh, and that was my loss of innocence. That's when I first, at the time I wasn't aware of this, but I look back now and I go, wow, that's probably when I first started to think I'm not good enough because I wasn't good enough for my dad to love me, to not hurt me, right? Um, so I went back to five, which was the age of innocence, but I have had an out-of-body experience that was much more like near death. Scary as hell, but that was with DMT. I don't know if you've heard of DMT.
1: I have, and I've always been interested in that based on what other people have said and talked about and just...
2: Yeah, well, that... Got, that got, that's all I've got from it. Yeah, first time I had that, the transition um, from... I, I smoked it as a powder, organic DMT. I was in the Himalaya in India, and and luckily the, the situation was perfect. There was the appropriate amount of reverence, i.e. we, we took it you know, for the the seriousness and the respect of what it is. It wasn't recreational. We weren't at an outdoor dance party, you know. Right. It was it was beautiful and held and I had someone holding space for me and we did it properly. Um, but the the speed of transition from the moment that you ingest it to the moment that you are out the other side is rapid, you know, like, oh, here we go. And the change of um, perceptive state, the change of the neurology is violent. It's scary. It's really scary about It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. and it's like, whoa, hold on, and then, Buff. and if you, if uh, my, I think this is my experience, and I was ready for it at the time, I was in my late twenties, and I'd done a lot of psychedelic exploration. If you can remember to take a breath and surrender, like properly surrender, yeah. then you get released through to the other side. I call it the other side because this space that you go to it's completely peaceful you know there's no up or down there's no there's no um you're kind of floating in this beautiful dimension yeah this is the experience of it i don't know exactly what's happening
1: what i've heard it's like open up your mind to another dimension and that uh, it's
2: it's completely you know and And apparently
1: worse so yeah, fun. if
2: you oh if you fight it, you yeah. get stuck in the, if you fight it, you get stuck in the transition, the tunnel of transition. You imagine those sci-fi films where they go to light speed and they go through a wormhole. Yeah, that's exactly uh, the, true. the wormhole is the transition bit. Right. If you fight it, you get stuck in that wormhole, man, and it's not nice. But if you surrender and breathe, you come out into this other dimension, which is really quite beautiful. And apparently, from what I've read, um dmt is well it is an organic compound that exists in in nature um and it gets released in our brains twice in the process of birth and in the process of death correct so it's the neurological state that you're in through birth and death um so yeah it's it's quite stunning i don't recommend it for people who are um, psychologically volatile don't go there you'll freak yourself out. But if you feel that you're psychologically quite stable and um, you know, if you feel, if you feel okay and you feel like you know how to surrender to an experience, then try it out, man. It's, it's pretty wild.
1: Yeah. I've never had the opportunity to do any psychedelics or, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, you know, it's one of those things that I've always scared, was scared of them. And Mm. it was always that, You know, if you do drugs, if you do anything like that, you know you are a loser. You shouldn't do that, right? But, Uh but you know, it's like now, like we were talking about how mental health is coming more for men to talk about. That it's almost psychedelics are starting to become that way too. And Mm. and I'm not talking about all of them, but, you know, there's people like, you know, like Joe Rogan talks about his experiences with DMT. And there's other famous people who are now, and they kind of – they've said exactly what you are saying too. And it's just opening yourself up and, you know, you're – yeah fighting your fighting your inner demons and learning to, you know, actually feel yourself in a different way and learn what or look at life in a different way too. And mm-hmm. there was another comedian I was listening to, and he just did uh, his ayahuasca, and or he did ayahuasca, yeah. yeah. And he was talking about his whole experience with it too. And it was he said the exact same thing that if you see like rainbows and unicorns and stuff on this one side, like you want to go over there, but you're supposed to go to the dark side, and that's when you really you know, truly release yourself and you learn to come out on the other side. And but they all mm. talk about, most of them have talked about like how much better they felt on the other end and how much more, I guess, connected with life and other yeah. and human beings are with, you know, and
2: yeah, it gives you perspective, man.
1: Yeah, I'm not advocating like everybody should go do drugs, but I mean, I just think that, you know, other people, like you said, talked about, oh, it's a key to opening up the brain to another dimension. And, you know, we don't have to go down this road, but it, it, it makes me curious about things, I guess is what I'm really trying to say. And, what, yeah. I, what I would like to figure out. And like, you know, like, cause you know, like yourself, you know, who, you know, you said you surrendered to the experiences and you came out okay on the other side, you know, and it's.
2: Like, oh, know. completely man. You know, uh, but the, one, one of the keys for me was to learn how to surrender. Yeah. You know, and the word surrender to us, um, for a lot of people surrender means giving up or losing or letting the other person beat you or blah, blah. That's not the surrender I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that. Uh, I'm talking about acceptance of what is. I'm talking about surrendering to what is. You know, there's so much stuff that's beyond our control. And when you try and control something that's out of your control, uh, it's you're wasting your energy to begin with. It creates suffering because you you you're feeling like it shouldn't be the way it is, but you can't change it. But you keep trying to change it, Uh, so you're fighting a losing battle. That's the stuff I'm talking about surrendering to. And when you take a psychedelic or a mind altering substance your mind is going to alter whether you like it or not, man. And you can fight that shit. And if you do you're in for a hell ride, Yeah, you know, but when you surrender to it and just sit back and see what happens, it can be quite remarkable.
1: Yeah. Do you know who Stephen King is? Obviously, probably.
2: Stephen King. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I forgot where he said it at, but he talked about, you know, he wrote Cujo completely on cocaine and alcohol. Right. (laughs) And so I don't know if you could say that he was surrendering or, to it or whatever, but I think he was actually using it. right? this is maybe my take on it, my perspective to actually put his mind into a different sphere, atmosphere, whatever you want to say, and then that was how his creativity came out in writing these books. Maybe he was just addicted to them both and well, loved maybe he was just, it. <laughs> he was just doing it, I don't know. But who knows, man? Who
2: knows? But look, I, I look. I think that um, just the pure fact that we can alter our state of perception, right? Whether it's with a plant, you know, whether it's with smoking marijuana or whether it's with taking DMT or whether it's even through something that's been created in a lab. The fact that we can change our perception enlightens us to the fact that that our normal resting state is just a perception. Mm -hmm. It's not reality. It's just our perception of what's going on and that's up for grabs, man, you know, because your state of mind is different to mine. So your perception of reality has got to be slightly different to mine. And so because I now know that my version of reality is just a version, right? Right then then i can loosen my grip a little bit and go well who am i to say that my way of looking at the world is better or or right or and like i'm right and you're wrong who am i to say that 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 does not make sense it's ridiculous because my state of reality is just my perception and my perception is up for grabs anyway it can change you know and and how can my version of reality be any more valid than yours that doesn't make sense
1: oh yeah i mean that's a great point even if you're not taking any substances or anything, but just in the environment we grow up in. I mean, you grew up a half a world away and I'm on the other side of the country. And just we both grew up with different experiences in life, you know, and yeah. different things. And but yeah, but exactly I agree hundred percent with what you're saying that just because you experience one thing and I have it, I'm not ultimately just gonna disagree with you just because I've never seen that before or never heard that before. But it's one of those things like you were talking about, being open minded rather than having that fixed mindset. And you know, and we, yeah. don't to, we don't have to agree on everything, but it's not one of these things where I'm just going to get on my keyboard and like, you know, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah,
2: you know, yeah,
1: yeah. Hard, dude. I mean, it's, I mean, like you said, it's not healthy. I mean, it, there, and there's no reason why, you know, two people can't sit around and debate or have a conversation or have a topic about one experience, one topic over the other without a whole feud happening, you know, whether, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, whether it's, play, it's like, man. yeah, you know, whether it's substances or, You know, I mean, you know, we we were just talking about psychedelics and this I've never done them before and you have. And I was very curious on what your perception was like on it. Where other, you know, I, I know other people who are like, no drugs, nope, never, nope. And just immediately this label you as a, terrible mm. for doing it and and i used to think that too that you know if you did this stuff like that you were a loser like i said but mm. not that way man it's and, it, and it's cool to have these conversations and sit here and like oh wow that's what he experienced that's so awesome i mean mm. man, the way you're talking about it, it's so cool and it's just i don't understand why I th- that's what causes so much conflict in this world i guess is that it's crazy man yeah.
2: and you know imagine if you could take what you just said imagine if you could apply that to the next level where just say you were pro-choice and someone was pro-life, right? And you met them. Imagine if you could sit down and have a conversation about that without ranting and raving and getting defensive and getting aggressive and getting angry and getting all this stuff. Imagine if you could just sit down like two people and perhaps, perhaps start with something that we've got in common. Like, you know, perhaps we could start with something that we both have in common, you know, wow. You know, you feel the pain of loss. So do I. You know, when when a loved one dies, you grieve. Me too. You know. Oh, you have kids. I have kids. Uh huh. You care about them. Me too. Oh wow! Look, if we cut your skin here and we cut your skin there, we've got the same coloured blood. Wow, man! You need food and shelter. So do I. You know, you need love and connection. So do I, let's start there. All right. Now, when we go to explore the differences, do you know where I'm going to start in that conversation with you? I'm going to lean into you and go, Chris, I, I see it really differently to you, but before I share with you how I see it, I want to try and understand your point of view, man.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I want to
2: lean into this conversation. Imagine if two people were talking about pro-life, pro-choice, and it could have a conversation like that about it. Now, it doesn't mean at the end they're going to agree. That's not what's important. But at least they're going to have a conversation where they've opened their minds a little bit,
1: you know? Yeah, yeah. Not, and that's yeah. You said that beautifully, dude. That's the whole point. Like, just because two people disagree on something doesn't mean they have to become enemies and you know, yeah. set the world on fire, dude. I mean, that's you know, you want to have people who disagree with you in your life or not think the yeah. same, And It makes. You know it makes you better a better person so to speak that you know you like you can do exactly what you said you can sit down and have a, a small debate and good conversation with somebody and come out on the other end you know and I have a good friend at my gym you know she, she'll randomly text me about like uh what you just said you know like roe v Wade just got overturned over here you know like what were your thoughts on that and then you know we tell her and she I'll tell my piece she tells her piece and we go on and it's cool yeah you know? sometimes yeah. we and sometimes we're kind of in the middle like you know, I yeah. asked her, you know, she asked me about precognition. If I believe in, you know, predicting the future, then I came up with, well, what do you think about manifestation? And yeah, and it was cool. And like, you know, it was, you know, and I said, like, well, wait, wait, she put it once she said well, said, well, I said, well, ain't that the same thing the way you're putting it? And she went, no. And well, she put of <laughs> her text too. So it may not have been that way, but, but again, we're still friends. We just did the workout together. So it's, and it's a beautiful thing to do that. It's fun you know? Yeah,
2: yeah man. absolutely, man. Absolutely. And, and more than even just being fun. It, it, I think that as, as a, as communities, we can come up with better solutions to the bigger problems when we can communicate, communicate across diversity. Great
1: point. Great point.
2: You know, like if we're just, if we just take, I was just saying this um, in a conversation earlier this morning, if we take a group of people who are all very similar, same background, same demographic, same religion, same ideas, same, 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 same. And we ask them to solve a big problem. The bandwidth of creative possibility that they've got access to is very narrow. But if we put into that same room, a group of people, super beautifully diverse, you know, different upbringings, different religions, different cultures, different foods, different everything. Right. And we say, right now communicate and come up with the bandwidth of creative possibility is much broader there's a much better chance of us coming up with a really, really genius solution to that problem, i.e. global warming or pandemics or inequality, right? You leave it up to a bunch of white middle-class older males, they're not going to come up with really great solutions.
1: Oh, agree. Yeah, I mean, you need we need that in life, just people from all different perspectives. And, and you said, again, you said that again beautifully too, that we wouldn't be here today having this conversation over – zoom if we didn't have people who thought outside the box and thought differently and weren't afraid to take chances and you know come up with those ideas without you know i'm i don't know who came up with the idea of zoom or talking on the phone or whatever but you know the first person who probably ever said that was probably you know, talk through a screen on a computer what the hell are you thinking about bro that could never yeah. happen but yeah but, but you gotta it's so awesome that you know and it, and it still blows my mind that we're able to do this today and that we get on here and i'm having this great conversation with you and. You know, when I first, you know, we just exchanged emails and I've said it plenty of time on here before, but it's like, damn, you know, without this technology and knowing how this, not knowing how this is going to go or anything, we're able to do this today and it's coming out beautifully, you know? And it's just like if more people just thought that, had that type of mindset and this self-improvement and positivity and working for a better purpose in life rather than just, you know, oh, well, you know, I I hate everything, you know, everything. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I mean, this... Yeah. And there's fulfillment with that. There's no joy in that. Dude. There's no joy
2: yeah. in that. Yeah. And you know, you can have an open mind too without having to give up your sense of self or your your values. Yeah. You can still be you. You can still live to your core values and have an open mind and allow others to be different from you. You know, we, we're so fear-driven as a species. And I get that because, you know, we've, through the evolution of us as a species, we came off the Savannah Plains where life was really dangerous, you know, and through all of the tens of thousands of years of us figuring out how to survive as a species, um, we needed to have that fear receptor switched right on, you know. But despite what mainstream news would have us believe, we're actually living in the safest time ever for humans. For sure.
1: Right. If you get an infection, you're probably not going to die from it. You know, I mean, you know, right by bus, you're probably your chances are better, pretty, you're going to live.
2: Yeah. And the suburb next to you, as in, the suburb next to you and not, you don't have to be waiting for that whole suburb to come in and kill you all and take all your food and water. Right. So we are actually living in safer times than ever before, but the wiring, the old reptilian brain wiring is hundreds of thousands of years old. And so that fear receptor is right on. And now it's coming out in a, you know, Oh, you you're on, you're on Twitter saying this and that's, I, and I'm opposed to that. And so the fear receptors on, and I'm going to attack, attack and defend, attack and defend. And it's like, hey, people, you're not actually helping the, the, the greater cause of humanity. You're not actually improving the situation right now. Yeah. Now, I know you're shouting really loudly at each other and you're trying to cancel each other, but that's not helping the cause, the bigger cause, right, the cause of humanity. So anyway, it's it's interesting to watch, isn't it, man?
1: Yeah, Douglas uh, is it Douglas Murray or Murphy, he's got a take on that where he actually talks about where the fall of civilization with like Rome and uh, Greece I can't remember if there was another one or not, but it was actually when they got too equated with, uh, you know, having no rules and fighting each other. And that was the fall of their civilizations. Yeah. And it was kind of like, wow, where our country is going right now, or maybe even the world. Wow. That's exactly what seems to be the direction we're heading in. And I hope not. I hope that's wrong, but.
2: Yeah. I'll tell you what, man, sitting over here on the other side of the world and, um, you know, look, I, I think the whole Western political structure um, is not working uh, however sitting over here from the safety of Australia and looking at what's going on over there for you guys it's different when I speak with you Chris and and uh, look you know, I feel like I'm sitting in your living room with you man and we yeah. can you know but looking at America from the outside point of view in terms of listening to podcasts and um, watching the news which I don't watch very much of but I hear what's going on. It's like, whoa, is that really happening? The states feels like it's gonna implode, you know. It's like, what is going on over there, man?
1: Somebody called it a reality show. You know, we have movie stars are, you know, becoming our presidents now and then, you know, and I don't know what your political background is, but now we have one that you know feels like he's barely hanging on to life, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. I know. What, and and what the most watched the most watched media. Is a movie star and his movie star wife who are fighting in a public court. Yeah. And everyone like it gets millions and millions and millions wow. of views. And I'm like, wow, that's really that important to you all, you know, not you, but you know, and I'm like, and I'm like, wow, you know, and and it's upsetting, man, like watching watching the number of mass shootings. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so upsetting. And I don't even live there. I mean, you guys are living there. And it's like, wow, it's, um, yeah, it's crazy times. And, you know, the, even the politicians who run Australia too leave a lot to be desired. And it's, um, you know, if, if I focused on that stuff, that's why I don't watch the news. I haven't watched mainstream news for 20 years. Um, and I'm still here. Guess what? (laughs) You don't need it. Um, but I don't, I subscribe to positive news, real news, not just fluffy fairies and rainbows news, like actual news of stuff that's going on. But I want to know, I want to focus on the positive stuff that humans are doing as well, because that makes my life more enjoyable, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure, man. Um, I know we're getting a little short on time here, but, um, did you just publish a book and everything?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The book got published in November. Uh, The Art of Conscious Communication for Thoughtful Men. Um, I've just got to quickly tell you a funny story for this book, right? Um, My publisher rings me up one day months ago. Um, she's this beautiful Irish woman and you know, superwoman. She's got six kids and three publishing firms. And anyway, shout out to you, Karen McDermott. She's awesome. She rings me up on the phone one day and she's talking to me like this, telling me all the different things that are happening. And then she says to me, Oh, and your book's been chosen to go into a gift hamper for it's called the Hollywood swag bag. And it goes to the, all the Oscar nominees before the Oscars. And she kept talking about something else. And I said, Whoa, 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 Karen, hang on. What did you just say? She goes, What bit? And I said, You said something about my book going in a swag bag to the Oscar nominees. And she goes, yeah, that's right. It's going in a gift hamper. It'll get delivered to all the Oscar nominees the week before the Oscars. And I'm like, that's awesome. What, like, that's so cool, right? Yeah. So anyway, so my book goes in this hamper and it gets delivered to all the Oscar nominees' homes a week before the Oscars. And, and and I'm going, right, I'm going to manifest. I'm going to visualize one of them, reads my book and likes it and tweets on it, right? Sure. Something, right? Yeah. And I'm like, who do I pick? Because I don't really know them and, uh, you know, know much about them. And I just, for some reason, I picked Will Smith. I went, oh. Will Smith. <laughs> he picks up my book. He reads my book. He loves it, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I said to my, my partner, I said, I'm doing this visualization that Will Smith's wife, I didn't even know what her name was. Will Smith's wife picks up my book and my partner goes, oh, you mean Jada Pinkett Smith? And I'm like, is that his wife? And she goes, yeah. I mean, that's how much I don't know about Hollywood, right? And I went, yeah, Jada Pinkett Smith. She picks up the book. She likes it. She gives it to him. He reads it. So I'm visualizing this all the way up to the Oscars.
1: Sure.
2: <laughs> and then the Oscars happened. Oh, no. And then <laughs> I was just like, oh, no. Oh, no. And a friend of mine said to me the next day, joking, making a joke, right? This is no. a joke. Yeah. He rang me up and he goes, man, imagine if he had have gone up and slapped Chris with a copy of your book. <laughs> The book is called "The Art of Conscious Communication <laughs> for Thoughtful Men." <laughs> so oh. then I thought, so then I thought, um, wow. Well, this manifestation isn't going to happen. Um, he's going to Chris. Um, Will's going to be in a world of pain right now and kind of trying to reassess. And um, and my partner said to me, "No, I, I think even maybe when the dust settles, even more, he might find that book in his living room and and read it." I haven't heard from you yet, Will, dude. If you if you see that book lying around in your home, man. Um, read it. Let me know what you think of it. I'd love to know what you think of it.
1: <laughs> sure, man. Get it to number one for sure for that one. Yeah, anyway. Let's take, let's take this home on that. That was a good one right there. <clears throat> um, if people want to find you, find the book and all that good stuff, how do they do that? I can find the book
2: anywhere where you buy books, amazon.com or anywhere else. Um, you can find me on my website, J e m f u l l e r j-e-m-f-u-l-l-e-r.com. I'm on all the social media stuff as Gem Fuller. Um, yeah, man, reach out. I'm, I'm super accessible and I love talking about cool stuff. And um, yeah, reach out.
1: Jim, you're a badass dude, man. I appreciate you being here. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right, we're out of here, folks. Be good to yourselves.